Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome to the Veterans Perspective. Today we're talking about women's health care, so women veterans health care. And joining us today is going to be, again, Erica Hoover is coming back from the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. She's our Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator. Also joining us today will be Heather Morgan, the Women Veterans Program Manager at Battle Creek VA, as well as Allison Mencarelli, who is the Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program Coordinator at the Battle Creek VA. We're going to be talking about different topics, and as you recall, you know, we just celebrated Women Veterans Recognition Day a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have a lot of exciting information for you today. Um, whether you're a woman veteran, you know a woman veteran, or you're a family member of a woman veteran, you don't want to miss this show. So stick around. We'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to The Veterans Perspective. So today is July 3rd, and tomorrow is Independence Day in our country. July 4th, um, we're celebrating independence. And, and, you know, people celebrate that in so many different ways. We celebrate it by, you know, especially this year when I think, you know, we were very much confined to our homes uh, because of COVID-19. And so I think this is even more of a special Independence Day, knowing that our state is open back up. You know, we don't have a mask mandate. And we are, we, we're, we're free to, 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 to mingle with other folks, obviously while still taking precautions while things are still out there. But uh, I just think it's interesting that uh, July 4th represents the freedom of our country. And we, we, we oftentimes honor veterans, we honor military, we have parades and we have all these other things. But one of the things that we do besides the barbecues and all of that is that we shoot off fire, fireworks. And I think it's important for us to remember that, um, you know, those same individuals who have fought for our freedom. Um, many of them have come home with struggling with PTSD and different other things and um, may be very sensitive because of that, because of those, uh, the war efforts that they've gone through and the combat that they've seen to fireworks. And so I think it's important that we mention that um, the Department of Natural Resources in partnership with the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency are highlighting quieter camping options over the 4th of July. So veterans, pet owners, and other visitors can find camping options situated in campground locations that are farther away from traditional fireworks displays. Um, and so if you are, if you are uh, looking for opportunities and options, it will be great. You can Google fireworks free Michigan if you're a veteran or a veteran connected family member who knows that that veteran may struggle during that time for fireworks. Um, you may wanna um, look up some options to find where there's a quieter, peaceful area. Um, but I also would encourage those who may know that you have a veteran who's a neighbor to maybe have a conversation with them if you plan on shooting off fireworks to see if, if, that's, if that's gonna be a trigger for that person. Because we always talk about freedom not being free. And we always talk about how you know, we, we, we are thankful for someone's service. And sometimes that thank you may be as simple as shooting off your fireworks somewhere else. So um, I, I wanted to talk about that mention that and just know that you can visit um, Michigan, you can visit michigan.gov backslash DNR and find out about fireworks free um, July 4th at state parks. Um, there are several state parks across the state that you can go to. 
Um, but I also wanted to talk about in the in the um, I guess in the interest of talking about Independence Day is part of what we're talking about today on our show. And I wanted to welcome back Erica Hoover, who is our Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator, just to kind of start this discuss- discussion off with me about some of the some of the opportunities and resources that those who served our country admirably are not able to access. So welcome back to the show, Erica. Thanks, Director Adams. I feel like a, an honored special guest again. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we love having you on. And and I, I really wanted to just kind of highlight, you know, we talk about women veterans. And I I think back to, you know, when I when I founded that women veterans organization a, a long time ago before this job, one of the first things that we did was provide care packages to women veterans who were in like inpatient hospitals. So we put together these care packages with like tampons and underwear and pads and things because they weren't necessarily getting those things when they were inpatient at the VA hospitals. And that for me blows my mind when we know that we have right now um, uh, in our past uh, statistics, 44,000 women veterans in the state of Michigan and over 2 million in the country. So the fact that we had requests from all over the country asking for those care packages was a little bit of alar- alarming. But I know that there's other things that women veterans don't necessarily have full access to at the VA hospital, but also some new things that maybe they don't know they have access to. So um, can you talk about kind of what your thoughts are, especially being a woman veteran having to utilize services? Yeah, thanks. I think that, you know, those are great points. These are, you know, there are a lot of items that aren't available to women veterans. I would be remiss if I, if if I didn't mention that I really think that the VA is, is trying Um, and they are really getting great teams in place and people that are passionate and actually, you know, women veterans are getting into the VA um, to help other women veterans. And so those voices are super important to have, you know, our center for women veterans is really advocating for that. The new legislation that's out, um, to input new services into all these VAs for women veterans to talk about separate entrances and no harassment. And um, there is just a plethora of things. And I know that we're going to talk about a lot of them today, but, you know, like fertility services are something that um, that are huge and, and that, that are really important. And a lot of our women veterans are in the age range where they can, they're thinking about being pregnant or having babies, or they already were when they exited the military. And so, um, you know, there's just so many things that they aren't aware of, or that they could just go to their primary doctor and talk to them about and possibly get a referral out into the community, really opportunities. And and really the, the thing that I would say is just advocate and be your best. You know, you always say it too, you know, you have to be your own best advocate, talk about the things that you need. Um, and then, and then figure out how to get it done. Yeah. I think you mentioned something that's important and and it's that, you know, uh, the VA is making strides in the right direction and they're doing things, but they can't do it alone. Um, and so the more women that actually take advantage of utilizing VA services in general, the more you can advocate because it's really hard to advocate for something when you're like, okay, there's only five people using it, but I know that there's 500,000 who could be utilizing this. And so. We really need to be there because our our showing up helps to advocate for other women veterans. So um, when we come back, we'll be having a further discussion about some of these women health care opportunities. So stay tuned with us on the Veterans Perspective.
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Sonetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and joining me to have a discussion about women's health and women veterans in the health population is Erica Hoover, the Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator at uh, the MVAA. So uh, we were just talking, Erica, about just women and showing up in general. And I wanted to talk about, I wanted to kind of backtrack about uh, Women Veterans Recognition Day a couple of weeks ago and uh, and talk to you about what happened on that day. Like we had this amazing 5K. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the success of that or what that looked like, what we've been able to do? Yeah, it was fantastic. We launched um, our 5K on that day um, and we've done, well, we've tried to do it every year, but COVID, um, you know, that's the excuse now for, you know, a lot of events not happening in the last year, but we were able to pull it off um, with a help from some really great sponsors and that, you know, just um, Meyer and AARP and folks, you know, they donated money, um, to a really good cause thing on social media, using the women veterans 5k hashtag. Um, and then we sent them a t-shirt bundle and a, and a medal. And so just a disclaimer, I'm, I apologize if you didn't get it in time. Uh, the UPS was uh, a little behind and that's something that we've known about, but, um, we raised over $7,000, um, for the Einstein, um, reintegration center for women veterans. And that money will go to the women veterans cohort, um, for any woman veteran to sponsor them so they can get back on their feet. And so, um, it was really exciting to be able to do something this year, um, despite, you know, all of our challenges and get folks out, um, and, and getting some exercise and just kind of getting people together. And, uh, it was really fun to see the pictures, especially of our staff. Um, it was cool to see everybody participate. Yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. And, and just knowing that, you know, we raised $7,000, you know, the proceeds of that is huge. And it, it just goes to show that we're getting the word out. We're getting the message out. And that's what the recognition day is about. It's not necessarily about setting apart. It's really about, you know, bringing together and, and building that awareness. And so the more we keep doing things like this, the more awareness we bring and the more that those veterans who didn't know that they qualified for certain benefits or didn't even identify as a veteran start to identify and get connected to services that they need. And so I, you know, we talk about women veterans and I know we've been talking about women veterans uh, uh, sporadically through the last year, but, you know, uh, one of the things that we've been hearing is that that's, part of the fastest growing segment of the veteran population in the country. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, women veterans, you know, with combat, um, all, all jobs opening up to women in the military, women are serving at higher rates than ever before. Um, which means we'll have a lot more women veterans, uh, when they exit the military, when they decide to. So, um, Michigan is ahead of the pack, I think in a lot of ways that we, um, you know, it, the VA population data for a while was showing that our, our population was dwindling pretty hard um, and w with women veterans. Um, but actually recently it's shown um, we're projected to have 47,000 women veterans in Michigan. And so it's really great that we have a program now that we can really start doing some outreach um, and, and, you know, joining town hall meetings and really, um, with our partners at the VA reaching out to women veterans to let them know, like you're eligible for benefits and a lot of benefits that you weren't aware of. 
I think it's so important that, you know, we even have spots like this on, on the radio show and, you know, our website and all kinds of things. So um, it's so important that we, we just have these discussions and that if you're listening and, you know, a woman that has served in the military, it's really important um, that you get them connected or just ask them about their service, um, connect them to the MVAA. You know, that, that is important. And, I, you know, I hear from women veterans, I've been hearing from women veterans for several years about different, um, different, uh, I guess, resources that they may uh, be entitled to, but they're not getting, uh, they're not getting them in the full capacity. And I, I just remember there was a veteran who, you know, she was on hormone treatments and she, um, her appointments kept getting rescheduled. She couldn't get her hormone treatments and because her hormones were out of whack, she was more suicidal. And it was one of those things that you're trying to get these services for this veteran and, and they struggle. And so I don't know if people really realize that, you know, there, there are still certain veterans and certain sects of this population that are unfortunately falling through the cracks. And so that's why I'm so glad that we are here at the MVAA and we can advocate on behalf of veterans who may be falling through the cracks. So if you're one of those veterans out there, I just encourage you to call us at 1-800-MISH-VET because, you know, we've been able to help veterans get connected, maybe where, where they're hitting a brick wall, um, we can get them where they need to be so that they don't, you know, get so um, critical like that veteran was with the care that she was missing out on. And so one of the other things I wanted to talk about was, uh, was kind of like uh, the infertility. And I know we're going to have, um, we're going to have the Battle Creek VA representatives on today, but, you know, one of the things I remember when I was going through this, uh, my, my last twin pregnancy, I say last because I've had a couple, uh, but my last twin pregnancy was, you know, I was actually um, registered in the VA and, you know, I, I wasn't able to get care at the VA. The VA paid for my care, but I wasn't able to get care at the VA. And as soon as I had the, the babies, like that care stopped. But the other crazy part of it was, is that like, I struggled with bills for years that slip through the cracks and didn't get paid or, you know, at the time it was fee basis, some of those things. So it was a struggle. It's already a struggle having one child and then two children <laughs> at the same time, but then having to worry about things getting on your credit. And so having an agency like this, I would have loved to know more that this was available for me back then. Um, but, but there's, they're also working to provide um, infertility assistance. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe from your personal experience? Yeah, I can definitely talk about my personal experience. Um, my, you know, my wife and I, uh, we obviously can't have children together. Um, so we have been in a family planning process for probably the last two years. And, you know, the year was halted because of COVID and some other things. But, you know, I went to, I did a lot of research. And, you know, the reason why I use the VA is because I'm the Women Veterans Coordinator for the state. And I think it's really important that I understand how to utilize services. Um, and I served in the military, and so I deserve to use the VA. Um, so I went to the VA, I went to my primary doc, and I told her, you know, what I wanted to do and, and what that looked like. And so I got a referral out into the community. And I think something that people don't realize is that, you know, we talk about IVF services a lot, but there's a lot of other services for women that want to be pregnant and men that want to get, you know, that want to have a baby that, that don't fall under that IVF, you know, you've had a service-connected disability. Um, and so I was actually able to get um, IUI 
six cycles of IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, um, through a fertility clinic approved through the VA. Um, I had to have a surgery along the way, and so none of that stuff has happened yet, but that referral is out there, and my Women Veterans Program Manager um, has been fantastic in helping but kind of like lead me along the way and refer me out to the right folks, and um, it's not, you know, it's not been a terrible experience. It's been, you know, other than like a personal, like the surgeries and things that I've had to go through to kind of get through it, um, which has nothing to do with the fertility. Um, it's just been really nice to know that that's available and it's available for all kinds of folks that want to have a family, um, not just for, you know, LGBTQ folks. So, um, I, you know, I highly advocate, talk to your doctor about your goals and your family goals and your family planning. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and, you know, so you know, you heard Erica, if you're looking for these types of services and you're a veteran and you're connected to the VA or you, you're looking to see if you qualify for healthcare, you got to give us a call. Um, and, and, and really it was just as simple as you talking to your provider and letting her know what you wanted. Yep. That's right. That's all I needed to do. And she said, okay, here you go. And then she referred me out to the program manager. Um, and Heather will be on soon. And she's actually my women veterans program manager in my area. So um, you know, it's been just a, it's been a really good experience. Well, that is great. And I'm so glad to hear that they're moving those things in the right direction and that there are so many different opportunities out there for women to get great women's health care. And, 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 and I'm looking forward to having those conversations and hearing more about that, um, from the Battle, Battle Creek VA. So thank you so much for joining us again, Erica, and for sharing your very personal journey. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And so when we come back, we'll be hearing more about women's, uh, the Women Veterans Program um, from Heather Morgan um, from the Battle Creek VA. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We're talking about women veterans health care and programs. And so uh, just a little bit of perspective at each VA medical center nationwide, a women veterans program manager is, is designated to advise and advocate for women veterans. They can help coordinate all the services you may need from primary care to specialized care for chronic conditions and reproductive health. Joining me today is Heather Morgan, the women veterans program manager at the Battle Creek VA. Um, she is an FN, FNP C, a nurse, family nurse practitioner who has been at the VA for 15 years as a nurse and a provider. She has worked as the RN in the CLC Urgent Care, Specialty Care, PACT, and Health Promotion Disease Prevention Program Manager, and was a provider in HBPC, Women's Clinic, and PACT at the Battle Creek VA. She became the, veterans, the Women Veterans Program Manager in 2019. She's a preceptor for nurse practitioner students, as well as a mentor for women's wellness colleagues. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And so we've been talking about women's health, and um, I, I know most people know about primary care services, and, and maybe they don't. And I, I, if they're a woman veteran, they can definitely reach out to ask you. But um, I wanted you to be able to maybe walk through some of the other services that are available besides kind of like the main primary primary care services? Okay, so I mean, obviously we do have the main primary care services. And one of the things that we have been striving to do um, more recently than not is make sure that our women veterans are assigned to a women's health PAC team, meaning they can get all of their care on their PAC team with their provider and their nurses that they know. 
so that they don't have to go to a women's clinic at the VA to have their annual visit completed. They can have that done on their PAC team. So we've been reaching out to um, our women veterans in our catchment areas, sending them letters and asking them to respond, you know, would you like to have a women's health PAC team where you can get comprehensive care on that team? That team has been trained to be able to do comprehensive care and do their annual women's wellness visits as well. Um, but if you don't want to change and you still need to have your women's health care, we do have the women's health clinic. Uh, we have clinics in Battle Creek, Wyoming that are specific for women's health, meaning if you are on a PAC team that has a male provider and, or a female provider that doesn't provide that health care, you can come to one of our clinics. Um, I do a clinic every other Friday, and then another one of my colleagues fills in on the Fridays that I'm not in clinic. And we do those annual women's wellness visits, including pap smears and pelvics, uh, answering questions regarding uh, birth control and anything that you have questions about as far as that goes. Um, in Wyoming, we do have a provider, Jen Omen. She also happens to be our women's medical director. Um, she provides a clinic in Wyoming and she sees uh, women veterans on Tuesdays. And then also in Wyoming, we have another doctor, Dr. Olson, who provides a women's health clinic one Wednesday a month. And then we recently just hired Dr. Dawn, who already was with the VA in um, Battle Creek, but he is now signed on to be what we call a point two provider. So he'll be either in Wyoming or Battle Creek one day a week from here on out. So that he is there so we can do the different things that we maybe weren't able to do before, including endometrial biopsies, um, cervical biopsies. We can discuss any kind of birth control. We can do IUDs and Nexplanons. Um, we can talk about the beginning of fertility. And sometimes depending on what you know the answers are and what specific circumstances are, he will start on an infertility journey with you as well. So we have some things that are opening up as far as specialty. Well, that's great news. And, you know, I, I think it's important, too, that um, those women veterans understand that you're there as a resource. And, and I guess my question would be then um, with all of those great sort resources and, and you working to to set up those those packs for women veterans, what when, when would someone have a need possibly to have to call you? They can call me whenever they need to. It, it doesn't matter. I'm absolutely here all the time to answer whatever question um, that needs to come up. I mean, it, it depends. I've had people call me um, that said, hey, I remembered your name and I'm pregnant now. What do I do? So <laughs> instead of me saying, hey, I'm going to send you to your team to answer that. No, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to put in your um, consult for community care so that we can get your OB started, your care started and, and moving in that direction. There's no need for me to bounce it to somebody else to take care of. But we do have a whole team of people that are able to help. And it's not just me, but they can call me and I will get them where they need to go to get those those questions answered. Now, is the VA providing um, maternity services in-house or is it outsourced, um, provided yeah. by the VA? Yeah, so we what we call it community care because we outsource. We don't deliver babies at the VA. Um, so we outsource all of it. So any female veteran that is in any of our 22 catchment areas, if they are pregnant and they need uh, maternity care, they would come to us. We would put a consult in and then we would find an OBGYN. So usually our veterans will come to us and say, you know, I have heard a lot about 
Dr. So-and-so, and I want to go to this person for my OB care. And we would reach out to that doctor and see if they participate with Optum and get that veteran on the road to having their maternity care so that they have care through their pregnancy. And so if a veteran, you know, a female veteran wants to have a tubal ligation or have her tubes tied, then she can get assistance through you as well or through the VA? Absolutely. So we have a couple of different things. One of the other things that is kind of nice, and I don't think people realize this, but Detroit VA, although it may be far away, one of the things I think veterans need to understand as well is community care is there. And yes, it's great because you can maybe be a half an hour away from that doctor. But at the same time, sometimes with COVID and with everything that's going on, we've seen very long wait times, three, four months wait times before you're able to get in. One of the nice things about um, Detroit VA, Dr. Metcalf and Dr. Carrigal have been getting most of my um, female veterans in within 30 days. So they're doing tubules, they can do hysterectomies, um, just all kinds of different things that we need, they're able to do as well. Well, that's great, great news. You know, one of the other things I saw that you could potentially assist with is, I remember, you know, when I was uh, needing home assistance, uh, you know, after, you know, with being in my wheelchair and a lot of different things, and it was really hard to come by. And I didn't, I didn't have access to a veterans program manager. And so can you talk a little bit about uh, just some of those resources? So sure. So we have resources through several different um, areas in the VA. And if somebody does need home care, we do go through their primary care provider, or I can help them reach out or call their primary for them but get them to that area where they can get in-home services. If somebody needs help um, because they've just been out of a hospital and maybe they need you know, assistance once a month, maybe with medication setups, we have home-based primary care that could come into the house. If there's a need more than that, like you're having IV, you need IV antibiotics, you, we can put in a community care consult to have an outside nursing agency come in and set up your IVs so that you're getting your IVs as you need. So there are different resources that way as well that we provide through the VA. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I love that um, the VA Medical Center is available to answer questions and concerns 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So uh, for en enrolled uh, VA uh, patients. And so if you're not enrolled, you want to give us a call because we can help to see if you're eligible and get you signed up for VA healthcare. But if you are enrolled, what number should women veterans call? So I'm going to give you the our basic number is 269-966-5600. And then our clerk's number is extension 32370. Her name is Mary. So you can get in touch with Mary and we can get that taken care of. One of the other things I wanna bring up, cause I don't think we talked a lot about it is um, we do do infertility services um, through the VA. We do help along that journey. And because of VA Directive 1332 and VA Directive 1334, um, we have veterans that are eligible for infertility services, and there are some veterans who are eligible for IVF assistance as well. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for that information. And we will make sure we share all of that information on our Facebook page. And so thanks for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective.
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm joined by our final guest today, um, but just a little bit of information before I introduce her. The VA's Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program is committed to helping veterans, their partners, and VA staff who are impacted by IPV, which is the Intimate Partner Violence. If you or someone you know could be experiencing and or using IP, IPV, help is available. Now, here to tell us more about this is Allison Mencarelli from the Battle Creek VA Medical Center. Allison is a licensed clinical social worker with the Battle Creek VA Medical Center, where she currently serves as the Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program Coordinator. She's been with the VA for over 10 years, serving in multiple roles across the organization. Allison graduated with her master's in social work from Boston College and completed her graduate internship at the VA Boston Healthcare System. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. And so, you know, I, I've heard about the Intimate Partner Violence Program probably a couple of years ago when I was in D.C. at a, a military sexual trauma event. Um, but I'm not sure if more many people know about that. Um, but before we kind of dive into that, I'd love to know if you could just give us a definition of what is intimate partner violence. Certainly. So yeah, I know um, we often use an acronyms in the VA especially, but IPV or intimate partner violence um, can describe uh, physical, sexual, or psychological harm and that could include stalking behavior by a current or even former partner. And this could occur on a continuum of frequency uh, and or severity ranging from emotional abuse um, and could result to chronic severe battering or even death. Um, it can occur in any type of relationship um, and it doesn't require sexual intimacy or cohabitation. Uh, and so oftentimes I think when people hear the term intimate partner violence, um, they often think of physical violence, but often the emotional, psychological abuse is just as significant, if not more so than, than experiencing physical abuse. Um, <clears throat> and we talk about intimate partner violence versus domestic violence in that we're really talking about um, the behavior that occurs again between a, a current or again, former partner um, we obviously can address domestic violence as well, um, but we know that these things impact um, a lot of folks in the community and especially um, our veterans. And our, and our goal is really to um, address not only those experiencing intimate partner violence, but also those that might be really struggling and using intimate partner violence. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I think about um, some of the, the, the veterans I've come across, and I know that this can be experienced by males as well as females, um, intimate partner violence. But, you know, I think about some of the, the women veterans that I've worked with in the past, and these were women who actually served in the military, who had military spouses. Do you, do you see some of those or hear about those stories about intimate partner violence with Maybe there's a dual military household and, and you're, you're seeing some of that happening. Certainly. Yeah. You know, we know everyone is at risk for experiencing intimate partner violence. However, there are certain groups 
who unfortunately could be higher risk than others. And uh, unfortunately, we do see that in, um, in our women population, often ages 18 to 35, and obviously female veterans. Um, and we can see that kind of pre-military, during military service, post-military, where someone might have experienced this um, kind of on a, again, that continuum of frequency. Well, and, and I, I see you using um, the words experiencing IPV and using IPV. Can you tell us the difference sure. in what your use, what, what your terminology is? Sure. And not to say using other terms isn't right or correct. Um, our, our focus is really on recovery-oriented language. Um, so we've kind of shifted that into saying, um, you know, rather than saying victim or survivor, someone who's experienced uh, violence. And then um, instead of using the terms abuser or batter or perpetrator, we're often using that term someone who uses violence. Again, not to say the other terms aren't okay or to be used. Um, oftentimes our, we're again addressing kind of both aspects here and we really focus on that recovery oriented uh, and trauma informed principles. And we wanna be able to assist, you know, again, those experiencing and those using um, not only for our veterans, but if we have a non-veteran partner um, who needs support and we can work with them in some capacity, obviously their families uh, are, are impacted, um, potentially their caregiver, and, and even within the VA system itself, we want to make sure we're addressing this with our VA employees. That is great information because I I know that there are spouses out there right now or, you know, caregivers or significant others who may be struggling with a veteran who maybe they're struggling with PTSD or maybe they're just they're they're just not knowing how to 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 tame their anger or aggression or their words. And they're they're using IPV within their home or their environment and they don't know where to turn. This is a veteran that served our country and maybe on the outside they're look you know, everybody looks at them as as as, you know, just this all around great person and not to say that they're a bad person, but what I'm saying is, is that I think it's great to know that they can maybe reach out to um, those um, working this, especially your program to be able to, to get that veteran some help. Certainly. Yeah. And we know that often um, times, you know, people are struggling, you know, all couples have times when they disagree and have arguments and our focus too has really shifted on, um, you know, relationship health and safety. We want to make sure everyone um, has a healthy and safe relationship. And we know there's times, especially during the pandemic, when stress is at an all-time high um, pre and post deployment. And there's several, you know, veteran-specific factors we can go into that that might put someone at risk for again experiencing or using. But again, the full picture is really helping helping all those that might be impacted by this. Um, and providing them the resources that they need or, or might not even know about and, and making them aware of those. So what should somebody do if they're actually experiencing um, IPV? Yeah, good question. So obviously it can be a really um, private thing to open up to share with someone if they're experiencing that or embarrassing. Um, we want people to know that, um, you know, there's help available especially too, like if you're worried about a friend, um, maybe you're not experiencing this, but you're noticing a friend, um, you, you know, you see some warning signs of isolation or 
um, unexplained repeated injuries, if there's physical abuse, um, but that could also include that emotional, psychological isolation, um, you know, not reaching out. So if someone is experiencing intimate partner violence, we want them to reach out. So obviously if they're a veteran, um, every VA has uh, a person like me, an intimate partner violence assistance program coordinator. Um, so all over the country, we have staff designated to this role that can be contacted. Uh, all that information is listed on va.gov, uh, socialwork.va.gov, I should say. But if you just go to the va.gov website and type in intimate partner violence, it'll bring you to a page where we have a national directory of coordinators. Um, sometimes it might just be reaching out to even our local community partners, which have been doing this work a lot longer uh, in the community. And so every um, community has a resource locally to address domestic violence, including shelters and, and additional support. Another great one is the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which can be reached 24 seven. Uh, that number is 1-800-799-7233. They also have a website, and so um, there's free support available right there on the website if it's safer for someone to uh, navigate that on a, on a smartphone or the internet if they're not able to call. Um, obviously, if they're in significant and severe danger, imminent danger, we recommend contacting 911. But oftentimes, these things might be going on for a long time, and someone's really needing support and someone to reach out to, and that's... Um, that's what we're here for as well. Well, I just want to take a moment to thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. We've had some great discussion and we have some great resources to share. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for joining us today, Erica Hoover and Heather Morgan as well. And just remember, you can always call one 800 799 which is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can reach... Uh, Women Veterans uh, Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN. That's 855-V-A-W-O-M-E-N. Or you can give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838 if you need assistance with any of the resources you heard today. Thank you for coming by today, and we will see you next week on The Veterans Perspective.